Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you will enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Let's see. Welcome to our GameDev.TV Roundtable Discussion. This is all yeah. Ricardo's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's my idea. It's going to be titled, What's the Deal with Open World Games? Yes. I love it. What it like? Honestly, though, I've noticed like recently the games is that they're just so they're so big but filled with nothing to do, and then they just tell you to go do like fetch quests, do things like that. And I don't know, it's not as meaningful as like let's say Last of Us or Uncharted, where it's just you have a world a level they built, and then you go through that level, and then you're done with that level, then you move on to the next one. And then I mean, those yeah. levels are now big too enough where it feels kind of open world ish, but doesn't feel like empty. And because I don't know, a lot of open world games are just fast travel or skip the parts just because yeah. Yeah, I think fast travel hours. is <laughs> yeah, fast travel is a symptom of like the the world being empty. So it's you need fast travel. It's interesting you mentioned fast travel specifically. Mm-hmm. I have a a a particular experience with that, um, having to do with Fallout Four. Um, oh, okay. I played that game originally, you know, through a couple of times to the you know nuke the whatever at the end, and. Uh, then Spoilers. I finally started playing. Yeah, spoiler alert. You nuke something at the end. Um, and then I started playing it in survival mode. And one of the things that's missing from survival mode is that you can't fast travel. And I actually found that having to learn how to walk back to the places that I had left was a whole nother experience. And I kind of like felt like fast travel shouldn't have been part of the game in the first place. Because like you miss out on so much of the world by not walking back yeah it's interesting because like in a game like fallout like feeling empty is not necessarily a downside because thematically it makes sense thematically yeah it's kind of part of uh, the emptiness is part of the wasteland yeah Yeah, it's true even biomune a new game that's actually where i started to feel the most empty that game was just like there's not much to do here but uh yeah, that game too is apocalyptic, so it makes sense in a way. But even then, it's like, okay, it makes sense, but like, so then why do it? Why not just have like focus levels or maybe a smaller map? Because it's just, just... Yeah, a smaller map enough. works. Like, yeah. uh, you can compare like WoW with RuneScape, let's say. WoW has a lot of empty space in between everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like RuneScape, everything is super close. I got to ask you a question, Kevin. The two games that you mentioned at the beginning, I haven't played either of them. Um, are they what I would describe as like rails-based levels? Like there's one path to travel through? To oh, for to... Last of Us and Uncharted? Yeah. Yeah, so basically you should start off at the beginning of the game or wherever that could be like a city and then you go through different levels and you go to the next city and you go through like... I mean, it's it's more or less there's sewer. just one path to go through. Yeah, but even the levels are pretty yeah. big enough where it feels like you can explore sure. it, but then it doesn't all feel like you're wasting time or like... I don't know, it just feels focused and more entertaining than like seeing the same open world and then doing like fetch quests or doing like s- slow missions. Fetch quests I mean, are a whole yeah. You know, just I'm, yeah. It was one of the design <laughs> philosophies we had on the original Half-Life was yeah. you know, a user moving forward through the world should cause things to happen. Mm-hmm. If the user doesn't do something, then nothing should happen. But there should be one clear, obvious path to get through and 
and it may wind and twist back into the same areas frequently but mm-hmm. yeah that's that's so i i call that what i call that is rails level design like there's one way to go right versus open world where you yeah. can go anywhere yeah. right? but i know uncharted has some levels that have uh, s- uh, some freedom in that yeah. I know there's, uh, I, I saw some videos on the design of it. There's a level that I know that you have like three things you need to do in three different areas. Mm. And then depending on the order you do them, they're different, right? Mm. So the yeah. next one is always going to be harder and more complex. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay. I guess even if you do like a different choice, the next one's still going to be harder and yeah. more complicated. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, a cool game I played as a kid that had kind of a mix between like having a real map and still having levels and the levels still felt open was uh did you guys play freedom fighters no but i think you brought that up i think it's from microsoft yeah it's no fun. but I remember we had very different childhoods i mean my childhood <laughs> video games were things like ultima 4 and 5 i mean it, it's a shooter from like 99 or something yeah, it's still a decade or so after me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pretty interesting game. Like it's it got like, ten out of ten. The, yeah, the Russians invade uh, the U.S. Uh, so it's like Cold War teams, kind of. Um, oh yeah, and the... you have to like retake New York. I think it's in New what? York. Yeah, oh, it's ultimately New York. The Russians invade and take it over. It's a very fun game. The mechanics are dated. Very dated. But it has like squad mechanics and it, it's fun. Play it. <laughs> Play it. If you want to pay me to advertise a game, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> All right. But yeah, well. it, it's interesting because then you go into the levels and you can do the levels in different orders. And based on like what you achieve in the levels, uh, you have like easier levels later on or like you take down the police headquarters and then. It's harder for them to get reinforcements in another level, or uh, your headquarters gets uh, gets better, you get more people or better weapons, and so on. Inspiration for mechanics in yet another very popular open world game, Grand Theft Auto. Mm. There I are numerous coming up. heists in GTA <laughs> Online that include steps exactly like that. Um, the casino heist uh, from a few years back has literally hundreds of setup missions that you can do that change the way that you approach the heist you, yeah. you know different entrances different different things that you know missions that you can run to strengthen or weaken the guards and you know disorient them and other things like that it's it's interesting to hear that you know it's basically described from a game from you know what you're saying is 20 some years ago <laughs> yeah let me see when it was made because i don't know when i played uh, but I think I played it in like 2000. That sounds about right. I mean, you know, Half Life mm-hmm. was 98. That's that was kind of the beginning of you know that second oh, generation of video games where you know storytelling was actually something that you could do in a game rather than just running around killing the demons in hell. <laughs> I mean, it's fun either way. Hey, yeah, killing demons is always nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun one. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Just how do you feel about open world games? Yeah, my favorite, uh, my favorite, my favorite game is always the Horizon series from Forza. I don't know if you know if you know that game. Uh, the racing game? Yeah, it's a racing game. But the what I like, game? it's 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 also open world. Yeah. And it's 
it's a huge, huge map, and I'm already really looking forward uh, to Horizon 5. But if you look at Horizon 4 and 3, it's, it's so big, but still not overwhelming. And I think that's something they, did, they do really outstanding. They're, they're doing an outstanding job with that, with making, with making so much and giving you so much opportunities. And even you're, and you're still not overwhelmed by it. So for these racing games, how do they how do they do the races? Are they like on rails, or does it just go wherever you can go and hopefully on, win the race? On this, you have different styles. You have uh, you have indeed like on rails. You have off road. You have a bit of hybrid, so it's on rails but also goes off road. Mm-hmm. And you have custom games or, or custom races, uh, but you also have like stunt races where you have to do certain stunts to. Okay. See, that sounds fun because I play Burnout Paradise and. The original burnout games, it was all on rails. You just do a race and you follow the track and you go. So you didn't have to worry about kind of where to go, more just following the track and trying to beat the other racers. But then Burnout yeah. Paradise came out and there was no rails. They would tell you which way to go by directions, but it would always be a little too late. And so then I I, I always like lost. I was I became so bad at the game. I was just couldn't win. Always took the wrong turn and it was like way behind the other racers or or just didn't find it as fun because all the levels were the same essentially because it wasn't like in the old games you would go to like paris and here and here this was just one city and so after i played it a lot actually but i never really loved it like the older games i only liked it for the stunt challenges where you had to like destroy cars because that one was fun because i didn't have to worry about like beating someone in a race but i don't know it's another thing where i was just like i didn't like the open world part of this game i thought it'd be cool liked it at yeah, first but what i like like about horizon is they give you in all the races or in almost all uh, except one they give you a checkpoint system so you have to oh see that's nice they the checkpoint. Have that. and so you have to open so, so you can still choose to go off road but if you miss it you have to go back to get the checkpoint well, but you also yeah uh, but you also have this one mode which sure. is just really exciting which is just from a to b which is yeah. mostly like a 10 mile race and you can just do whatever you want. You can go off-road or you can stay uh, stay on track. But if you stay on track, you stay safe. And if you go off-road, you just have the risk of hitting a tree and getting behind. But that's yeah. that, that's I mean, the charm of it. So, yeah. so but of sometimes course, yeah, it's risk versus reward, right? But even so GTA... Road, you can take shortcuts. Yeah. Save you time if you don't run into something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but even GTA, like, they, didn't they have, like, the yellow markers like, in front of you? So you know exactly kind of where to go? Yeah, there's and like back in the day they were red things or red. Yeah, see, no burnout. It was done some. I've actually done some like race map design stuff using their creator mm-hmm. editor um, online and and raced my own races that I made. It's it's pretty cool. Ooh, that's fun. I forgot yeah. that they made it. We can create heist now, or not heist, but missions. And races. You can make races. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. But, I mean, you can. You can actually change the world, though. So, like, you can put up barriers and remove things from the world and all of that kind of stuff so that when you spawn into your map, it's like a customized version of the map. Have you played a lot of the... You put your markers wherever you want for the turns and all of that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty, pretty, pretty intuitive editor. I actually found it pretty enjoyable. I made a loop that ran from, uh, from Integrity Way up to the university and then back down um kind of along the side of the golf course in downtown i i had meant it to be a go-kart race track but 
at this time you can't select go-karts as the vehicle for, oh, but now for races can. so <laughs> i'm just waiting for that to happen and i've got my go-kart track ready to go there you go nice. <laughs> isn't fun. there any motor or something you can use there's go-karts you just can't select them as the vehicle for a race uh, currently. that's a shame yeah modding it's, yeah. it's considered a yeah i'm sure you can do it with mods but in like legit gta online so it's considered a motorcycle class vehicle but it's the the go-karts were kind of added fairly new or fairly recently so even though if you select motorcycles it doesn't show up in the list when you when you go no, i don't think they were in the base game yeah 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 they're well, I mean, most of the most of that kind of stuff is like expanded raw, you know, items and all of that kind of stuff are in there. It's just go karts are like the newest vehicle class, so I guess they've probably just not gotten around to writing the code to include them in the list. Is is my guess? <laughs> yeah, I, I have noticed that about GTA is that it looks like their their scripting system seems to be pretty pretty. Pretty like every every heist and mission type thing that they build. There's not like any custom service or like general services. Of course, this is a programmer in me, right? Yeah. There doesn't appear to be any kind of like general heist class objects that they use to like standardize these things. You know, they go in for every decision, and it's scripted with what decisions are are made there. And I mean, this is this is how we do it. <laughs> It would be nice if, you know, there is some kind of like, you know, heist engine, right, that provides all of these handy frameworks and stuff. That actually is a really good idea now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Excuse me for a minute. I'm going to go write some notes down. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> heist engine. Yes. Yes. Mm, let's make it. Another five years. <laughs> Jesus. No, but I mean, uh, the, the point was that, like, take, for example, you know, the, the newest heist that they released in GTA V. Um, initially, the setup missions for it wouldn't allow you to uh, wouldn't allow you to call the mechanic and summon your you know, summon a vehicle, a custom vehicle request. But you could use the request my current vehicle. <laughs> so and then like the next patch release, they had fixed it so that you could call the mechanic and request any vehicle any time. I'm, I'm just making the assumption that probably, you know, as the person was designing that script, the default setting was no for that. And, you know, so it's, it's, there's probably some kind of flagging and it's all speculation, but there's probably some kind of flagging system in there where you have to go in and say, yes, they can do this. Yes, they can do that. Mm. Who knows? Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I'm making stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like because you know just the spectacle, everybody wants like bigger games, more stuff to do? That open world games are getting too big for their own good. I, I think a bit yes and no. Uh, if you look at Watch Dogs, I think they did it too small, mm. especially if you compare it to their old games. Sometimes I think maybe for new games, you should aim a bit smaller. But if you already have quite a big game, I think you. Yeah, it, it's it's tough to 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 go smaller again. I see it, like I said, I see it with Watch Dogs Legions, uh, really a lot. I I get bored really quick, and I think I've seen it all after the first day I was playing. While with the previous Watch Dogs, uh, the first Watch Dogs and the second uh, and the second Watch Dogs, I didn't have that feeling at all. I was constantly 
uh, intrigued to the whole uh, open world. Mm-hmm. And like, what kept you intrigued? Was it just like certain quests, certain landmarks? I, I don't know. Maybe it's, built? maybe it's also a bit of the art style. It's now it's in London and it's always a bit rainy and mm. hyper futuristic. I think they, I think they could have add some more variety to it and not one big concrete jungle. And I think, yeah. I think that's, I think that's their problem a bit. I mean, they, they focus solely on London, you know, if they did like what, for example, Forza Horizon did with Horizon 4, they also took England. So you have to take the countryside as well. If you involve the countryside in Watch Dogs Legion, I think you will make tons of more possibilities and much more variety in the in the game. Okay. So I guess it, it had elements that you really enjoyed when you were playing it. You enjoyed that. You enjoyed the extra missions. You enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I love the hacking in Watch Dogs. So yeah, I will still play it. But the whole open world experience was a bit lost since they are solely focusing on one city and not yeah, like multiple cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was totally outdated. Didn't know it was coming out. I need to play this game now. Yeah, what are you doing, Ricardo? You're slacking. Well, I'll need a new PC probably. Yeah. yeah. So like, Always need the new PC. Another thing that's interesting, so Spider-Man 2 is open world, but it's just New York City. And in fact, I don't think it actually has... There's a lot of... Well, there's a lot of side stuff to do. Ah, okay, there's a lot. I think the thing that makes it, though, not feel empty is the fact that you swing, like because that's just the main thing yeah. for Spider-Man. Like, that... You yeah. just want to spend, like, hours and hours of swinging doing nothing, really. So I guess it depends on the game, too. Like, for instance, Assassin's Creed it's too big now and i'm like i i'm just missed the like assassin missions and being stealthy and and now it's like a witcher 3 like but that's not what the game was originally if anything it should just been a different type of game i don't know because that game it just doesn't feel like it has any soul i couldn't beat odyssey or uh, origin well no i beat or origins actually had us origins i really enjoyed because of the um egyptian i wanted to explore egypt like you go to egyptian cities and it actually had the architecture the details they they would they went all out for that game i think that was like the last game where they it felt like an assassin's creed game i got bored about at least maybe halfway through it just yeah all the same stuff though over and over and over well yeah if you play odyssey or uh, valhalla it's literally the same thing as origins just reskin and so that's why i couldn't finish those two games because i was like okay origins was cool but now i'm done <laughs> Now, for me, it was the one with the ocean. Was it called Black Sea or something? Black was Flag it? was still kind of Black the original Flag, yeah. formula. It was a big map, but again, that worked yeah. too because it was just you're in the ship most of the time. Yeah. So I think I love that game. Even though it was empty, it still had like meaningful moments. I think that's what you need a lot of meaningful moments. Because honestly, I think the reason why it worked for me was because the like the areas you see and then the, some of the quests and there's just some things there was like meaningful so i was like okay this is cool it's exciting i think when you start feeling like it's a grind or a chore then you start to realize that the game wasn't like there's not much to do like it's just like i'm just grinding here and this isn't that much fun and if i go over yeah, here that's 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 what happened to me yeah in the egyptian one yeah because that it just felt like it was a grind it was like there were objectives on the map and i just didn't care yeah yeah <laughs> So it's it's interesting because it's like how can you like let's say you were making a game how can you prevent that or you just don't you just make the game for who wants to play it because even the Witcher I mean, three the game I love like I don't do side quests because I'm just focused on making beating the story so like 
That's just me. But... I'm going to blow your mind with uh, with some old school here. Okay. So the first open world game that I remember playing was Ultima Four. Okay. Were you blown away by the trailer? In the 80s somewhere. Hmm? Were you blown away by the trailers? trailers? The trailers for Ultima are pretty nice. For the trailers for Ultima? Yeah, that's usually like the intro cutscenes for the games. Yeah, they're pretty epic. Very old school graphics, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if you follow the core objectives of the game, there's not really a lot to do. It's called Quest of the Avatar. And so ultimately there are like, let's see, what's eight times three, 24? There's basically 24 objectives in the game. That's okay. the entire game. <clears throat> in the world of Britannia, there are eight cities and there are eight shrines. Um, each of the cities has some kind of a problem that has to do with, uh, with the virtue that is represented by the local shrine nearby. You go into each of these cities and you have to talk to all of the NPCs and reason out what it is that they want you to do. They're often saying things like, you know, there's some problem nearby that needs to be dealt with or, you know, somebody needs some help, whatever it happens to be. You got to figure out what it is. It's not like there's an exclamation point and then a quest log that tells you what to do. <laughs> they just kind of tell you that you need to do something to help them. Um, you end up needing to discover the mantras for each of the shrines. You go to the shrines, you meditate with the mantras after you've discovered them. The discovery of the mantras is the second tier of objectives, which is the dungeon related to the town. Mm -hmm. So there's a town, a dungeon, and a shrine. <laughs> Okay. The town gets you to the dungeon. The dungeon gets you the word for the shrine. You go to the shrine and meditate there, and you become the embodiment of one of the eight virtues. After you become the embodiment of all eight virtues, you become the avatar. You go to the final dungeon and beat the bad boss, and, and that's the end. Open world game, not really a whole lot of... There's... <coughs> sorry. <coughs> there's not really anything in there that tells you what the objective is. You just go to the towns and start finding people you actually can get people to recruit your party can be a total of eight people um, and each of them have their own level that you level up and the combat ends up being kind of a tactical 2d display you move each of the people around shoot you know arrows or whatever um but yeah then you have to work your way through these kind of quasi 3d dungeons that you know they're old school you know 2d 3d right where you've got yeah the, the, the wireframe drawing a box with you know, two lines for your hallway. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I oh, mean, yeah, for, for its time, amazing. Right? Yeah. But here's, you know, the first open world game that I remember. <laughs> How's crazy. that compared to GTA? How, how did that feel when you, like, because it was the first one. <coughs> we were like, this is insane. Like, I want more of this. I mean, that was just what games were. Yeah, I mean, I played that in the gold box, you know, D&D &D games. So we were a little bit more strategic, but still, that was, that was RPGs. Mm -hmm. that that, I mean, think the, really, the, kind of the idea that they were open world was kind of the expectation in some ways. You know, the, the gold box D&D &D games were also, you know, your RPG was you got dropped in New Flam. And, you know, somebody gives you a little tour that says, here's the government building, here's the temple, and there's the entrance to the slums where you'll probably get your ass kicked. <laughs> Have a nice day, and that's the intro to the game. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah.
it's just crazy that you lived in a time where you experienced the first open world. That's so cool. <laughs> I don't know if it was really the first one, but definitely one of the first. Yeah. I mean, but think about yeah. like you know Zelda two. What was that? Technically open world, yeah. Yeah, Zelda two was technically an open world game. Yeah. It's I never played any Zelda games except uh, maybe one on the DS. Eighty-seven. Yeah, there you go. So January. I mean, really, when you think about it, what's the what's the origin and, and genesis of, of games like this? Text adventures. Text adventures are open world games. <laughs> True. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the that. first open world game was Jet Rocket, a video projection arcade game released by Sega in August nineteen seventy. Yeah. Wow. So yes. <laughs> I think an interesting but, game but, with open world is Death Stranding. You guys ever played that? I should have played it, but not yet. Because it's it's completely empty, really, except like a couple situations where you meet people. But because the game is a walking simulator in a way, like you have to if if you see something up there, you can't double jump or do the crazy thing you do in Skyrim where you try to like jump up the mountain. You have to use a ladder or a rope. You like you feel like a human walking through this world. So you kind of you kind of enjoy the challenge. The only problem is it takes a long time if you do other stuff. So I wouldn't advise doing anything but the main story. Otherwise, then yeah, then it gets like grindy. It's like okay, I'm climbing mountains. Like I should just be doing this in real life. Like what? Like <laughs> why am I spending an hour to climb this one mountain? But again, like it's such an empty world. But it feel there's something about that world that makes you feel interested and invested. And like it's not empty, even though like it's because it fits in the thematic theme. But like you just know, like, oh, like, don't go here because there's been, like, a lot of death. And I don't know. It's just weird. Some games feel empty when they shouldn't. And then some games, like, are made to be empty. And they, like, they don't feel like it's that empty. I'm like, oh, there's so much to do here. But in, yeah, uh, I, I in, Death, Thread, uh, yeah, in Death Stranding, how did yeah. you enjoy the, the multiplayer aspect of, like you said, you need a ladder to get up. But there's, like, this multiplayer aspect. If someone else has used the ladder there, the ladder will stay, right? Yeah. So that was, it was a weird f- feeling of, like, even though I'm playing a single-player game, there's someone either that's done something ahead of me and helped me out, or if I leave a ladder, it's going to help someone else out. So maybe that's also why I made the world didn't feel as empty, because you're like, someone else is out there, and they're doing the same thing I'm doing. So, yeah. I, I enjoyed that a lot, actually. And it helped so many times. There's so many times I'm like, I need something here. And maybe it wasn't there like an hour ago, but I went back up for a quest. And I'm like, oh my god, someone put a ladder here, or someone put this here. I needed it. <laughs> One yeah. of the uh, more controversial entries to the open world uh, genre, No Man's Sky. Oof. But they actually fixed it. Yeah, right. here it's amazing. Uh, so, now. Within the first, you know, within the first few days, you know, somebody basically, you know, figured out that people were not actually yeah. legitimately in the same <laughs> universe. Yeah, that was. And a all mistake. you really saw was just the after effects of somebody having had been there. Um, that's rough. Yeah, although it's you know much evolved since then, but uh, I, I that was an example of a massively procedurally generated world that had virtually no life to it at all. Yeah. That sucks because we want that. Like I've always, when I was younger, yeah. I was like, I want a world that's huge and you can go anywhere. And now I have it, and I'm like, did I want this? <laughs> and they had you know, and they had procedurally generated content and everything yeah. else on there. The the problem was that. You know, so for the size of their team, it was 10 people, as we all know, mm. um, you know, and this feature set that they accomplished was really quite respectable for, for what they were doing. Um, you know, that 
I, I remember playing it when it first came out and you know there was basically like 10 missions and there were like 10 different kinds of planets and there were 10 dialogues for you know interacting with this other kinds of thing like you know there was and it was I, I could count the number of things there were, right? Just because there wasn't a lot of it. It didn't take too long to figure out that you looked for a certain kind of building as you were flying around a planet and, you know, land on that and it'll give you a beacon to where a ship is. And then you can go get a ship that's better than the one that you have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, and that was basically just because there were so few missions, but they were all the same kind of thing. It was just to, you know, go from here to there and then from there to there. Now, almost all of the missions were very simple, like delivery type missions or discovery type missions like that. Just basically go from point to point. Easy to procedurally generate something like that. Very dull in 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 actual in implementation. Okay. Yeah, but it, it's a game that kind of suffered a lot from hype. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely suffered. Well, I mean, they actually they did like the entire point. They showed a lot of stuff, said a lot of things. The game came out and didn't have it. Like, of course, people are going to be upset. So yeah, you should yeah. just be more realistic. Be like, hey, look, we're releasing it now, but it doesn't have any of this. We're planning on releasing it later. But no, they didn't do yeah. that. I have a couple of friends that still play it, and they say that, you know, as the years have gone by, it's definitely delivered on its promises. But Oh, no, it's amazing now. And they have VR, too. Yeah. So you can go and, like, yeah. get your spaceship and travel around it. I don't know. It's I mean, got nine and cool. ten. It's just you know they they made their money by basically deceiving a lot of people and saying here's what our feature set is and then releasing like a quarter of that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, but in terms of like games feeling empty, I think games that feel the most empty are the ones that try not to be empty. Ooh. Okay. What do you mean? So they have Which a one? lot of stuff, but it, it's a lot of like. Bland stuff, bland like, stuff, right? It doesn't have a soul, right? Because if it's a I world that has like this team or uh, this eerie feeling or something, it makes sense. Like if it was maybe, well, apocalyptic zombie or anything like that, it, uh, it feels right that it's empty, right? Mm -hmm. But when you get a game like, uh, let's call 20 Assassin's Creed, right? Yes. have a huge world where people are supposed to be living. Like it's a real world that is not going through anything apocalyptic or anything. Mm -hmm. Yes. If it has a bunch of random stuff that kind of looks the same everywhere, yeah. it will feel way more empty than if it wasn't there. If it was just people walking or, or whatever. It's harder now being like making games. It's like I see it. I'm like, oh, they did that because it saves money or it's the same asset or this or that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's another reason why, like, sometimes it's just like, oh, this is just the same old, same old nothing to this. Yeah. I, one game that did open world pretty well uh, was uh, Breath of the Wild. Like, it feels alive. Uh, well, in my point of view, and many others as well. Because, <laughs> mm -hmm. like, I don't know, things are there. Like, uh, the enemies, like, they live, it looks like they actually live in, like, their camps or anything. You know? <laughs> so and it, it is kind of post-apocalyptic as well. Like, it's um, post the great calamity, Yeah, Going again back to uh, some early days mechanics, uh, so Ultima 6, I think possibly also Ultima 4 and 5, 
Um, although Ultima 6 got a little bit more advanced with it, and I remember it significantly, or specifically, um, had day and night cycles as you were adventuring. Um, so, like, for example, if you're on the wilderness, monsters would only come out at night, yeah, obviously. Uh, <laughs> during the day, you know, there would be other creatures, but there were like daytime creatures and nighttime creatures. Um, and then in the towns, the same thing, same thing applied, like, you know, guards would be, you know, more aggressive during mm -hmm. the, you know, during the nighttime. Sometimes, you know, they would let block you out of certain areas. And, um, and vendors and, and people walking around the town and stuff would have day and night cycles as well. They would they would go in homes and sleep at night and then come out in the morning and go to their post at the, you know, sometimes they, you know, they'd have like schedules. They'd like go to the pub and eat and then go to work for a few hours and then go and dance next to the water fountain and stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Yeah, they do that in Red Dead Redemption 2 also really well. If you follow the NPCs in Red Dead Redemption 2, you see them also having yeah. their tasks. They, they're going to places, they go to the yeah. pub in, in the evening and, they have a fight, they go back home and they're going to sleep and the next day they're going to work. Right, it's right. Natural... I mean, it's that kind of stuff that adds a lot of life to the world. It's, you know, it's, it's maybe scripted, but that's a lot of attention to detail really to do that kind of stuff. And, and that attention to detail, you know, like Ricardo was saying, it's, it, it brings a lot of life to it. It makes the world feel alive and not dull. <laughs> it's also hard to compare games to Rockstar Games. They have a huge yeah. dev team. Yeah, yeah. but the, if, if you check out uh, Watch Dogs, they also have the same kind of thing that you can check everyone out. You can see their personality and it reflects on them as well. Uh, not so detailed as in Red Dead Redemption, for example, because yeah. if someone is, 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 a, is a cleaner, he will clean the same spot for eight hours and then he will walk home. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, why not? But, but still, he's, he's doing what, what, what it's saying, what you expect them to do. Yeah. So that, that, that's great. <laughs> I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier, and he was talking about a a system that he had built a couple of years back that was kind of similar to that. It was a it was an inheritable behavior tree. The only animal that he had built in the system, he said, was cows. Um, but they would have different kinds of traits, like uh, you know, the cows would be skittish, or you know, or, or would want to eat more than normal, or you know, different things like that. And some mm -hmm. of those traits could be inherited. So. He'd, you know, he'd run the simulation of this world and it would go through and, and different kinds of cows would react differently to things that were going on in the world based on these traits that they would inherit from a, from a, from a, like a cow breeding system or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really awesome. Yeah. I like those stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so also always really interesting to see what kind of outcome comes out of it, you know? Right. He, he said, actually, his biggest struggle with it was because he didn't have any kind of a visualization for it. It was like a completely virtual world. Think like Dwarf Fortress without even the text, right? He said his biggest challenge was like trying to debug what the AI was doing because he didn't really have any way to visualize it. So kind of funny. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what do you think is a good example of a good like open world game and then what's an example of a bad one? Well, for me, a good one is uh, Saints Row. I love it a lot. And then I'm not talking about Saints Row first and second. Also, like the original ones on the PS2. Yeah, yeah, the, like the original and, like, one. And the, yeah, yeah. Be before they went all crazy with the dildos and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought that was in the second one too, or first one. Yeah, the, it was the first and second one. They were really good. I, yeah. I especially really like the whole territory system where you had gangs who were in the territory. So if you 
got in their territory, they would act differently on you, and you had to, uh, yeah, yeah, you, 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 you need to to get that territory for your own gang, and then it all became purple. And so you was, even though it was a whole open world, you try to create or you try to change it to your fully to your own uh, territory, and that's what I really loved about it. I really Something miss you don't those. See that often. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, I guess you're saying, I was like thinking back to San Andreas GTA. And I was like, oh, yeah, like that was yeah. cool when they had it. And I was like, why don't they do that more often? But if I think about it, SSG honestly kind of did it with the whole, you could pick the uh, Spartans or the Athenians. And I was like, but I didn't really care much about that. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why I care more about the gangs and the smaller map and the smaller world and less graphics than the, the world that's more alive. Supposed to be. I think it's age thing as well because I, I played san andreas recently yeah and the whole gang board thing is very repetitive oh true yeah i think it's really so, age uh, i think we're comparing yeah. across our age and what we remember and i don't know and time i think everyone now like, as a kid loves these games you have a 300 hour game please yeah but, but also the, yeah. the <laughs> but there's also a big difference in everyone wants quick gameplay nowadays oh you're right I, uh, I mean, like I was playing Saints Row 2 uh, a few weeks ago. And the second mission you have to do, you have to first gain respect before you can start it. And you have to gain respect by doing some side missions or uh, doing some stunts or killing some bad guys, bad people. But nowadays, kids don't want to do that. They just instantly want to progress for, uh, forward in the, in the story and not having to work for it first. And I think that's a bit of a shame as well. But you see that a lot yeah, of I developers are adapting this. My game require <laughs> require people to spend years to do anything useful. <laughs> oh my god, that's just. <laughs> and I don't care if it's successful or not. <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, it's just game. Make it how it's you want to make. It's the game that I want to build. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, uh, but nowadays it's you. You pay one hundred dollars extra, and you get the legendary everyone wants. And not you a chance. Play the game. <laughs> and you will spend a year camping the hardest part of a dungeon to get a plus one item <laughs> exactly <laughs> my goodness but I, I think i noticed that a lot of people aren't playing single player games as much like my brother doesn't play it my cousins don't play single player games really my I younger know. generation doesn't like I, I guess it's just the i don't know what it is they want fortnite like they'll play 400 hours of fortnite but they'll play one hour of like last a game that well my brother like last but let's say like another single player game like uncharted and then they'll be like eh I'm done. I'm like, but yeah, like, what? But there's so much like there's enemies to fight and there's a story and it's epic and it wraps up nicely. Yeah, but at the same time, like the thrill of like fighting someone who has kind of the same conditions as you. Yeah, it's addicting. People like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I like it too. That's actually one of the things that I like about GTA. Actually, GTA Online plays very much like a you know a pretty decently balanced shooter in truth. I mean, of course, you have to understand my experience with GTA is is pretty recent. I mean, the game's been out for a long yeah. time. I only started playing it like last year. So no, I mean it holds up. I think even now, like now is when it doesn't yeah. hold up because people can have those like bikes that shoot missiles and they can dodge like rocket launchers. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they yeah, don't need to be care that about, much about like... those things. But the thing about GTA is that the game is designed with counterplays. Mm -hmm. Like every every vehicle has a vehicle that can counter it. Every every attack has a way to to to, to counter attack. So I mean, once you once you kind of learn the basic mechanics of the game, it's just the PvP system is pretty easy. It's it's a standard Rochambeau shooter style. 
PvP, really. I think it's pretty fun as well. I mean, I've only been playing for a little while on this character, but I've got two, you know, 150 plus rank characters with the, you know, positive KDA. <laughs> I won't say how positive. Wow. Oh, you, okay. I, I'm always in a negative. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used to care so much when I was younger. I was like, my KD will give me the girls. Well, no, what it does actually, <laughs> though, is that it puts you in different tiers of, of when you go to like, you know, auto join or, or auto auto invite for missions, it actually puts you in different tiers of players that you'll pull from. You, you actually get matched with better players when you have a higher KDA is really what it comes down to. Hmm. So for I running know, missions, I'm it becomes a lot support. less frustrating. <laughs> what would you say? I used to play sports, so I would die for other people. <laughs> but you mean you play sports in real life or, or other sports games? Yeah, in esports. Ah. <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, uh, I, I think like this whole uh, thing with multiplayer, uh, you lose something for sure because. Uh, GTA is a great example, actually, because for me, the best part about GTA is like Rockstar, like they're hilarious, like they're very fun. That's another thing too. Yeah, Trevor. The radios are funny. Everything's. I, I, I hate Trevor. Why? He's literally the embodiment of a GTA character. He wants to kill everybody. He's crazy. I, I, I like Michael. <laughs> I mean, they're good. They're good. Trevor is the character. only character in GTA Five who has no redeemable qualities. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, I, I know, but like, if GTA, when you play it, you're a criminal. You want to like shoot people, kill people. Or, he's literally embodies that. Like, this is what you would picture you're as a living embodiment of a complete psychopath. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I like him. He's fun. Oh. <laughs> but no, there's this funny story, like uh, because they based the appearance of Trevor on the voice actor, right? Yeah. So, oh, have you uh, seen the VR one? No, so like he, he was telling this story that he was like walking on the street and someone <laughs> talked to him and said he looked like this guy from this game he played. Oh, he probably started talking like him, did he? Oh, he looked like Trevor. Yeah, I, I played him. Oh, if he was the actor, he should have been like, get the fuck out of here or something like that. Like, do something <laughs> Trevor like. Did oh. you see the uh, scene where the two guys that voice, uh, uh, the, what, are, what is Michael and Franklin? What are the two? Yeah, Michael and Franklin, the two characters that you play at the beginning, right? Yeah. The, oh, Lamar and Franklin. Yeah. Okay, Lamar and Franklin. Yeah, there was a there was a YouTube clip of the two of them, the guys that voiced them actually in real life recreating that scene. Oh, that meme. Yugi has haircut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen that, uh, Justin Ricardo? No. No. I okay. played the the beginning. Well, a long time ago. Oh, I'm sending it to you guys. This is this is beautiful. It's gold. Because it became a like meme. I don't know why. Half. Like it just yeah. did. Sometimes I don't know. Like Fast and memes. Furious. Like how did they become? I guess the movie was coming out, so they were like, let's make a meme. The whole family. Fast and Furious makes no sense. We got family. There's a game dev one though. If you that TV, I'll send it to you guys. You're gonna love it. It's not as good as like I would want it to be, but it's it's there. It's... But you guys gotta watch the video. It's, it's fucking gold. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna send you guys. 
So they made Rick into Dom. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. Family. I know, maybe it's me, but I still don't understand the video. <laughs> oh, you watched it? You don't understand it? Uh, I did. Oh, it's a scene. It's a it's a scene in GTA yeah. Five, and then yeah. it became a meme. I I'll send you something else. Maybe you start to like kind of get it. Maybe maybe not. And then they just actually recreated it. So then it became even bigger because they're like, hey, they they did realize the meme. that it was a, a meme of some kind. I still found it humorous because it's it's a scene that's early enough in the game that you know you people will often restart you know the game and they'll play through it so it's like it's basically like the first cut scene in the game after you steal the cars mm-hmm. right At the, you know which is the first mission so most people will get to that and they'll see it enough times that seeing the recreation of it in real life i i didn't realize it was a meme i thought the <laughs> thought the real life recreation was still funny mm-hmm no, it's perfect. But yeah, I sent you so the last video I sent you guys. It has the thirty different versions of that scene with Goku, with Darth Vader, with um, yeah, like that's why it's it's so stupid. That's hilarious. But see, like that's a little moment in the open world game where it just gives you life, and then they continually do that. I haven't beaten actually GTA Five. I might do it when it comes to the PS Five version, but um, I don't know. I just felt like there was always something to do. I kind of just did the wrong thing, and I tried to get gold like you did. So I tried to do every mission perfectly, and I kind of burned myself out. I was just like, I'm bored. And then I tried to find a quarter that took me like hours. <laughs> it's really hard. I gave up about halfway through perfecting yeah. all of them. I don't know why I wanted to I do it. I got close, but here's the deal. There is actually some, there's supposedly some content that gets unlocked when you do that. Really? There's, from what I've, what I've been reading, it has something to do with, the, with Mount Chiliad. If, if you actually 100% the game, there's a bunch of items that spawn that'll cause you to, like, transform into a Yeti or something like that. Well, I, I mean, I, I would love that. I would be a Yeti. Yeah, it's basically, like, 100% completion Easter egg type stuff. I, who knows if it's, if it's legit or if it's just people, like, making it up to get people to try and 100% the game. But I think so. Would be cool if it actually is. Let's see. I, I was just trying to do it just because I wanted to. <laughs> okay, so it looks like you get a trophy, like a career criminal trophy, and then in the game you get an orange t-shirt that says 100% on it. And you can also see multiple UFO sightings. And, yeah. But I don't see anywhere by the Yeti. Well, yeah, there's something about UFOs. So there's... Oh, no, there's this one. You can do a mission. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Somebody walked through this and and there's like apparently there's a bunch of like peaches or apples or something scattered around the map and they spawn at a certain time on Tuesday or like a certain time in certain conditions and you go and eat them and if you there's one that spawns in seven different places on each of the days of the week and if you go and eat all seven of them then you get like a special yeti mode that you can that you turn into a yeti <laughs> you can like walk around and I I don't know there were videos on it like i said i couldn't tell if it was a mod or if you know or if it was really legitimately in the game still it was if it is legit the way that it is that's, that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah no it is actually it's it says hunt sasquatch you have to get it by completing the game 100 yeah um and there's like yeah there's some ufos that spawn around uh 
in different places. Like there's one that appears to be an actually alien UFO above the above the military base, and then the other UFOs that spawn in the world have FIB written on them. <laughs> I knew it. The FBI have the, uh, the UFOs. They're the ones creating them. So, I mean, there you go with, you know, a great example of open world, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to do in this game that apparently it took something like seven or eight years for people to find exactly what we're talking about right there with 100% completion. And I mean, but from and what I understand, it's so uh, deeply it buried into the game that people still don't necessarily believe it's actually legitimately in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing, like uh, in Breath of the Wild, uh, there is, you know, the something very similar to like the, how the oysters work in the uh, in San Andreas, right? Kind of similar, like random collectibles, right? And you get this if you collect, oh, I think it's 700, 900. 900. And you get this trophy, this great trophy. That was pretty bad. Just a trophy. That's yeah. it. I, that's a, <laughs> woo! Got a trophy. I, I, I mean, know. it's a very special gift. <laughs> yeah. It, it, achievements is something that a lot of people still, I mean, it's, it's something to do, you know? No, yeah, There's I got, I got reasons reason why, in a lot of games. It's the reason why you what it you is. Know, add things like factions to an RPG. It's just to give somebody something to do, languages, something to grind, right? Okay. I mean, yeah, like I said, it, it, you, when you want things to do and they give you all this stuff to do and it feels good, I just think as we get older, it depends on how much time you have. You want to do less. Yeah. But I mean, also, I, I like it for game heads. Yeah, I don't even say problem with you. Yeah. Yeah. If it's optional, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's also one thing I always get really annoyed by in open world games, and that's that there are always so many buildings you cannot get into. Oh, I, I didn't <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that feels bad. Yeah. I, I think only Pokemon has it that you can get in 90% of the buildings, and then you always have like some fun stories or some fun kind of weird artifacts to find. But I think a lot of games are really missing out on this to just having that exploration that you can really go anywhere and can get uh, can get in everything. I really miss yeah, that but a lot. So ultimately, I think the challenge comes down to the creation of content. Right? Yeah. I mean, an empty open world, we've we've kind of largely agreed. I think is is one where the content in it is droll or boring or repetitive. Right. And the good open worlds are not too big that the content is spaced out and that there's enough content to keep you interested, enough things to do. And it's, it's of enough variety that you're not bored with it, right? So now what, the, what it really comes down to is how do you avoid burning out every game developer on the planet generating enough content to fill an open world? I mean, I think a good start is like having a game that makes sense to be open world. That there are games that could be linear and are open world just to be open world. You're meaning like basically build an open world that has a linear guided content through it. Yeah. So, I mean, GTA V ends up being another example of that. The world is alive has, and simulated outside yeah. of the storyline that you participate in playing the single player game. Yeah, it's like no, just, just like, making it open world. I, I think 
it's done sometimes just as like a marketing tool. Is yeah, that, oh, it's be, still one world as well. Yeah, there should be more like, for example, Borderlands, just such games, which is open world, but you get really directed through. You, you can go left or right, but there, it's more like a T-junction. It's not... And Fallout, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Fallout's far branchier. I mean, you know, far more open objectives and, and guided where you're going, but there is a storyline and, and a conclusion to the game, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there are levels. Like uh, the more linear the story is, the more you can get away with. I'd say. Yeah, it's also. So at I least think, you can. There's a path. Yeah, I think it's also like you have a big open world, but some games uh, keep it like really open. But like more of these games, like Fallout and Borderlands, they make some areas like, like, like you don't want to be there anymore if you already have passed it. Like like you you've 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 completed it. You you don't have to go back, and you still have the feeling of being open world because you have the option to come back. But right. you have there's there's nothing for you to do, so you keep getting attracted to move forward. Yeah, yeah I think that's yeah, one like, of the issues with fast travel. It becomes needed because you don't want to be going through areas that you've done everything in. Yeah, that's why I think yeah. San Andreas did it right. Because you would start in one spot and then you would go to another part of the city and then you'd stay yeah. there, do missions, and then you go to the next part. And you can always go back to the spots, but like it kind of felt like you were progressing through the world. It's like four different boroughs, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was exciting. Yeah, I think yeah, I mean, the, the kind of thing that's... that you see in yeah. games like WoW, of course, where you know each is you know, this is the level one to ten zone type yeah. thing, and this is the Hubs. eleven to twenty zone. Yeah. You could still go back to them, but there's not a reason to. There's no real good motivation. To. Yeah. Although no, there's always that random important. quest. What's that? There's always a random quest that gives you like a better weapon that you forgot right. to do. Or... or of course going back and like, you know, soloing the, you know, the group dungeon at the end of the level ten area, you know, when you're killing noobs just to be able to do it <laughs> right, or going back to PvP right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think the the paradigm of World of Warcraft does not work for PvP in my mind. Oh, but I think part of the I agree. Like I think it. I think it's also just a bit like real life, you know. Uh, for example, we get grown up at a certain area, and once you move out and you start to progress your life, you you're getting less attracted to your original area, and um, but you still have this nostalgia nostalgia when you go back to visit your parents or stuff. And I think that's the same feeling you need to create in games as well, especially open-world mm. games. Yeah, good point. Yeah. I mean, like in GTA San Andreas, I have the same. If I get back to that to that circle spot, that, that, that starting yeah. point, it, right. it, it, it never gets old. And but it's cool at some point at you the don't end, you go it. back. Yeah. Right. You finish the game there as well, so it feels extra nice. Yeah. And in, in the beginning, that's really your area, and you don't really go that far. And at some point, you don't really come back. But every time when you come back, it feels like just like home. Yeah, yeah I, think, street. I think GTA did a really good job of exposing the world in the single player storyline. You know, now that you're describing it the way that you just did, Justin, I'm, I'm kind of remembering that experience as well. Because, you know, you start out playing Franklin and you're in that, you know, downtown area with little horseshoe shaped roads. And there's like a 
you know, there's one race that kind of goes around that area and keeps it local. But as the storyline progresses, it like has you go to objectives that are progressively just a little further out, but you end up keeping coming back to that home until later on when you switch the characters. I mean, the stories are kind of segmented out that way, but I had no sense of that world being really an island shaped space as I was playing the game until yeah much later on when I was playing GTA online basically because the way that they exposed that world to you made it feel like you were kind of like driving up and down the coast more or less yeah yeah when you like when you go to the desert uh, when you meet Trevor yeah. like that time like it doesn't feel like right it's in the same map right right yeah no I mean they did a really good job kind of the storyline and carrying you through exposing the space and giving you kind of a, a enough ambiguity about where you were that it made the world feel larger than it actually is. Yeah, yeah they really hit the nail on the head with that. Because they basically did what they did in San Andreas again, make you feel like you're crossing through the map. So yeah. I think that was a genius way to do it. I mean, it. It, it, it is kind of the same city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Partially. Yeah, that was a little different because GTA 5 was just one big city that was LA. And then San Andreas was had what LA, San Francisco, and San Las Vegas. San Francisco and Vegas, yeah. Yeah. So, so that rumor mill for GTA miss Vegas. 6 is that it's going to be Liberty City, Vice City, San Andreas, and a new South America region. What? To do with Madraza and uh, Tony, the, the club guy. <laughs> oh like, please! They're, if they they're, put, the like, rumor see, mill is saying that they're basically linking I mean, all of the storylines together. <laughs> yeah, if they manage to make like all three cities like feel big enough, they could fit like keep the GTA Five map and just expand maybe. Yeah, no, I mean that's kind of yeah the impression that I that I was getting. I mean these are all unconfirmed leaks, of course, but. Yeah. That would be epic, wouldn't it? Just having like reworked maps of all of these things with content and storylines and all of the different areas. Please. Like, to be really. fair, if they just remake Vice City, it would be good enough. Right? I think that's <laughs> the one of the city, best not ones. The game. Well, the you city, know, wouldn't it really <laughs> wouldn't it be too big at that point though, right? I mean, like how long is it going to take to build a game that's basically the size of GTA 3, 4, <laughs> and all of the expansions combined. <laughs> 3, 4, and 5, and all of the expansions at once. Yeah, if they made, like, Vice City the size of uh, of Los Santos and in GTA 5, it would be very nice. I need that, please. That was my favorite GTA growing up. I think it would be nice if it was a little bigger. I mean, the, the oh, main yeah. problem that I have yeah. with the size of the GTA 5 map for online play particularly is that it, in some of the faster jets, it really doesn't take very long to get across the map. There's not really a good reason to have a fast jet either. <laughs> I mean, other than combat. But like, you know, why would you buy, you know, that, that, that like G6 jetliner in GTA Online? There's zero purpose for it at all. <laughs> other than just to say you have it. Because, you know, it takes three minutes to get from one end of the map to the other on pretty much any vehicle, if, if you know what you're doing. <laughs> That's not a very big map for it to take a mere 300, well, how is that, 60, 180 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> I even saw a video lately of someone doing a, a jump with a car from over the whole map of uh, GTA 5. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
there's, what? there's ways to do that kind of stuff. What? Because you mod the, the vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, no, I saw somebody actually, like, legit not modded do with a Stromberg a, a pretty interesting physics jump that got them basically to, like, the top of the, the Schlongberg Center. <laughs> Some of the vehicles do have... Schlongberg? Do have the, the big tower in the oh, center okay. of downtown San Andreas. Saxburg Center, Schlongberg Sax, something like that. Something, you know, typically juvenile sound yeah. for, for Rockstar. Uh, oh my goodness. But yeah, this has been a great conversation. We, uh, I feel like, Ricardo, you want to wrap it up or continue talking? Yeah, no, I, I had a, a comment actually about the fast travel. Uh, again, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Let's talk about that. Uh, I remembered something interesting. A game that does fast travel kind of differently. Uh, I, I think I asked you before. I don't think any of you played uh, Kingdom Come uh, Deliverance. No, but I we, we've talked about this, I think. it's uh, So when you're fast traveling, yeah, uh, like you're susceptible to like environments. So like there could be a guard or like someone can try to mug you and stuff. While fast travel, then you have like an event. Yeah, then you have an event, and you have to like fight or run away or or something. So like, there's a downside to fast traveling because if you're on a horse, you could just get away. I remember there being mechanics like that in some of the early RPGs, like uh, the original. Jeez, uh, what was it even called? Like Wasteland, I think it was called. Whereas you, if you chose to fast travel from one place to another, sometimes it would trigger a random encounter. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a pretty old school RPG mechanic in in some of the eighties and yeah, some of the early eighties or late eighties RPGs was yeah, yeah get from but... one place to another, but there would be a cost to it. You could potentially die. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On Kingdom Come, it's interesting because like combat, like you're not. A god, you know, you're a very weak guy. Yeah. It was the same like deal with so like you know, the cost for fast traveling in let's say you know, the the pool of radiance, gold box D D game from like the late eighties, I think it was eighty-eight or something like that. Um, you would not want to fast travel if your party was low on health, because you may potentially be ambushed for the fast travel. And you would be ambushed at low health. So oftentimes, even though you could still get random encounters, the chance of you running into a random encounter while you were walking in the world was lower because you could avoid it. You could try and like you know walk around it or something like that. Whereas if you just took the fast travel option, you could potentially be ambushed on the way back. It was uh, I think there was like a yeah sometimes even some of the some of those games had like even flee from combat options as well that would randomly not work. <laughs> yeah. What I also like is, and that's coming back to Forza Horizon, then they give you a fee to pay when you want to do fast travel. And especially for in the beginning, the fee is, is a bit too high. It's 10K. And all over the world, all over the, over the world, they have placed these yeah, kind of banners you have to destroy. And every time if you destroy them, uh, there goes 100 bucks off from the price to fast travel. So what they basically do, they force you to play the whole map to get enough uh, discount. So it becomes reasonable that you've played enough and you know the map so you can use fast travel because you don't want to 
yeah run the road for the 100th time uh, for the 100th time uh, again so are you like persistently i've i've not played forza um or horizons or anything but are you persistently in one place in the world no no like, absolutely you not need to no. get somebody to somewhere to run a mission you have to like drive there no, yeah you, you're actually just driving around the whole uh, around the whole world actually uh especially in i think it was for horizon 3 they did it really well that you uh it's all about festivals so you you have to your festivals of cars and oh. you have to gain influence so you gotcha. first get one uh festival and then you have to unlock the next festival and once you have them all you have to kind of just uh, keep gaining your influence uh from them all Time for me to log into the Xbox store here and buy a copy of Forza for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you get the one dollar hey, uh, ultimate, just... and uh... <laughs> you get a you get a commission for that sales there. <laughs> I hope so. No, but you can buy the ultimate pass for one dollar, right? And then you can just download it, and I think it oh, will that's stay right. on your computer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, something like that. There you go. <laughs> you yeah. still ready, motorcycle around, Justin? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a nice motorcycle. It's green, right? Neon green. Yeah, yeah. It's the oh, Kawasaki Ninja Setic yes. 6R, and it's fully green, green rims. Wow. So, yeah, I'm jealous. It's a bit like a frog, but it goes faster like a frog. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I actually had a joke the other day that had something to do with the uh, with a with a f frog pattern painted on a painted on a car. I said, I've got some bad news, guys. My car got towed. T-O-A-D, towed. Dad joke. I love that joke. Get out of here. Get out of town. I've been a dad since I was like 15. Well, joke-wise. Uh, definitely a dad joke. <laughs> I was about to say, Ricardo, are you kind of kid? Carter's... No, no. Not no, yet. Not yet. Soon. So one day. I'd be the day, Papa Ricardo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. If my mom doesn't watch it, otherwise <laughs> she would be calling me right now. <laughs> she would. Where's my grandkids? <laughs> yes. Or, or or going with the uh, going with the uh, off-screen yell from uh, Howard's mom. Where's my grandkids? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, hilarious. Hey, Justin, you want to talk a little bit about your uh, programming thing you were saying earlier, or the, the Instagram? I forgot what you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, but well, it's just going. It's doing its thing now, moving to YouTube. So, hey, there you go. Trying to get a ten thousand followers there. We'll see. Going for the one hundred first. There you go. Hey, the 100, then 1,000, then 10,000. One at a time. Yeah. Thinking big, but starting small. Okay. So is it just going to be programming like topics? That, that wouldn't yeah, be yeah. one at a time. Programming and insights. That would be factors of 10 at a time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's still one at a time. No, it's factors of 10 at a time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get, when someone clicks sub, uh, you get one follower, not 10. It's talking about the objectives. You're going for a hundred and then a thousand. That's not one at a time. That's no. I'll just uh, I will just uh, <laughs> keep track of the followers in binary, so it feels much better. There you go. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> that will grow fast. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah that's exciting though no but it will, will mainly be about tutorials and insights and some experienced uh, talks uh like my first story i'm uh tomorrow is my 10 year anniversary with programming i broke mm -hmm. my knee 10 years ago tomorrow and basically in the hospital i started programming with my first private server mm -hmm. and that's actually what the whole the whole thing uh, got moving and so yeah now 10 years further i'm a full-time game developer uh, and which is a story i want to tell to hopefully inspire other beginner game devs who uh, we're having struggles to start and, and such. And I think if I tell, tell my story, it will prove them that they don't need to worry that much about their struggles and just keep their dedication and keep growing their passion. And then exactly. they, they always yeah. will make it. So, And if you want to hear yeah, that story, it... <laughs> it's episode 81, staying up for class with Justin. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, also a link in my bio. It's also to that... Uh, <laughs> And they show a lot I think of people that was actually how... one of the uh, episodes that I was on as well. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yep, Zoe was there too. We were all there. Yeah, that's right. A year ago, that's July twenty second was when we recorded it. Crazy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. Well, it's been more than two years. Yeah. Yeah, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Yeah, fifty two weeks, one a week, and we're over, well over a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. We're killing it. That's awesome. a lot of dedication, Kevin. <laughs> I know, right? Awesome. Yeah, I'll buy you a beer when you come to London. Yes. I need to come. <laughs> don't pint. come to Chicago. I mean, I'd buy you a beer, but just don't come to Chicago. Okay. I like Chicago. The deep dish pizza, the bean. Love deep the bean. dish pizza is pretty awesome. I will admit that. I've got a... Uh, I've got a Leo Miraliachis or whatever they're called. <laughs> there's there's like two famous deep dish pizza chains around here, and I've got one that's actually only like a half a mile away. There's a one of their one of their branches, I guess you could call it. Mm -hmm. My sister found it when she was here, ironically. Of course she did. She's probably looking up like, the best pizza. Yeah, I, I mean to be really fair, I haven't. I, I I avoid ordering their pizza because they're even their small ones are like it's eating lasagna. Oh no, it's yeah. fantastic! But wow, is that, so that a problem? Food. Yeah, right? a bad thing. First world problems. Yeah, <laughs> too many in America. It is. Yeah, what are the uh, first world problems for Amsterdam? <laughs> I don't know. Or Netherlands. Bikes. Too many bikes. Too many bicycles. I love yeah, bike highways. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, yeah, uh -huh. so this has been good. This has been a fun episode, guys. I love this round table. It's been it's been good to do like less interview and more just like talk with you guys. Yeah. yeah. Just Kevin, you, you have to do one thing. What else? Uh, you to do? need to make up a challenge. Oh, I, I need to make up a challenge? You okay. gotta make up the challenge, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's almost All right. like we're interviewing. Make an open world game. Yeah. <laughs> Get you 10 <laughs> <Yes>. weeks. <laughs> make an open yeah, Draw a map. Oh, like level design? Like, okay. So the challenge is to think about making an open world game and how you can make it more, have more soul. So yeah, like draw a map and just like plan out where you would have different worlds maybe how you would get through the different like cities so like kind of like gta san andreas figure out how you can move the story along so even though it's open world it feels linear and feels like you know you're actually moving up in the world 
And uh, yeah, don't make it too complicated. Just do like the plan. Don't make actually make the game. Fishing board. If you do end up liking your plan, make the game. But yeah, just like, and, and yeah. it doesn't have to be huge. Like it can be an open world and not be GTA Five size. Yeah, that game was made by tons and tons of people for years and years. Make it as big as like GTA Three, maybe. That's our new one. Don't make GTA. <laughs> don't make WoW. Don't make, <laughs> don't, don't make WoW. Don't make GTA. <laughs> or, or do just like Bethesda and keep on hold for it like for twenty years, like they're doing with Starfield now, and release <laughs> it on the on the next on on the next next gen console. <laughs> So oh, you give no. yourself all the time. Uh, I we'll think creating a fishing board is, is a great first step. Mm-hmm. Just create a fishing board of, of, of a great uh, open world game. Can can be a lot of fun. And I think we'll even add a lot of inspiration for a lot of other cool projects uh, to, to yeah. create. So. Yeah, my challenge is just trying not to make well. <laughs> Don't make MMOs. And a challenge for Aaron is to... Uh, don't make your own engine. Yes. <laughs> oh man, you know I've got a bug in my engine right now. After I implemented uh, JSON uh, data files for my scene manager, um, for some reason all of the graphics, the two D graphics, load in shaded pure pitch black. I'm figuring out why. <laughs> there's there's no textures really? there. The shape is there and uh-huh. the transparency is there, but any pixel that has a texture is just black. <laughs> Fun bugs. Yay. Writing your own engine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next day, they're purple. <laughs> that's that's day progress. Yeah. If you manage to change the color, it means you're changing something that has some. Yeah, impact. no, I, I, I don't know exactly what's causing it. I was, I was gonna go roll back to, uh, I'm gonna roll back to my last check-in where it was working last time <laughs> and then just kind of step through the code again you know the changes that i went through to figure out which change it was that, that made the graphic thank you all for listening <laughs> let us know how you feel about these roundtable discussions it's been a pleasure as always yeah. stay awesome send us topics yeah we yep. would like to see some other topics as well well that's it thanks for listening you can find all courses at gamedev.tv or in the show notes at a discounted price Get started with your game development journey today.